Hello and welcome to the Science Fiction Book Review Podcast. My name is Luke Burridge and this is the show where I review every single science fiction book that I read. As I read it, there's no set schedule. It's just whenever I finish a book, I do the review and stick it up on the podcast feed for everyone to download and listen to and hopefully enjoy. Joining me today is Juliana. Say hello, Juliana. Hello, everyone. And today we're not actually talking about a book. In fact, nope. we might talk about the book indirectly via a movie adaptation of the book. And yes. that is Dune. Yes. By Frank Herbert. Exactly. We, Mo- which we literally just watched. Yeah, movie by Denis Villeneuve. Mm. Uh, or Denis Villeneuve, if you want to say it in an English way. Mm-hmm. Um, we finished watching it and then we just had dinner and watched yes. a YouTube video. Yeah. Uh, uh, two. A YouTube video about how the space shuttle launches, which is very good. Uh, so now we we haven't even said to each other, did you enjoy the movie yet? No. So like you... You listeners there, you are very uh, privileged yeah. to listen to our first conversation about Privileged? privileged? I, I don't know. I feel like it's a privilege. Like, I okay. haven't even talked to you about... When are we going to do it? And we're going to set a hard limit of 30 minutes for this, because this was not a really a movie review podcast, but people did ask us earlier, hey, are you going to review Dune? Yes. And so here is our review. We watched it. We we actually didn't go out to the cinema or anything, because we because uh, it's available for as a uh, as a download. No, well, anyway, on iTunes, on the uh, on the iTunes store, Apple TV. Yes, we've got in a, 4K. We've got a 4K OLED TV. Uh, with some good sound, and we put it on. And I must admit, just just straight off the top, I said to Julian, I said, I'm not going to be turning this up and down if it gets too loud. And we're going to put it. We're going to pick a volume, yep. and we're just going to watch it. Was that okay for you? Yeah, it's yeah, slightly. Always, my my brain is always thinking, like, oh, hopefully the downstairs neighbors isn't. It's don't not too to loud for them. Don't, we don't watch big noisy movies that way. I want to say I was very impressed with a Hans Zimmer score. Oh, me and, too. Uh, no, I'm just saying I'm not. I don't. I'm not saying I'm impressed with the score. What I'm in, what I'm saying is often his score can become overwhelming to the action and the dialogue in some movies. Yes, like Interstellar and some of those. You're just like, okay, this is too much. Like the sound design is too much. Can't hear what people are saying. But here, I think yeah. it was it was uh, well made. Like the sound design was well well made enough that I could always see what was going on. Mm. If at some points I was uh, I didn't quite hear what the people were saying. Yeah, I think it helps that I know the book so well that I pretty much know the lines that they're saying, and I'm never going to be lost. I'm like, who did they say was the traitor again? It's like, yeah. no, I read the book many times. Yeah, I know who the traitor is going to be. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, sound design thumbs up from me. Yeah, I thought it was great. I did not actually know that was Hans Zimmer. No. No. Because generally he has a certain type. He has a certain yeah, and there was some of that, yeah, of course. Yeah. There was some of it. But then there was this lots of I mean, we obviously very blatant the Scottish the the, the bagpipes, it's Duncan, flutes, yeah. you know, it's and and this whole thing. So I thought this was somebody else. Okay. But I think he did a really good job. Okay. So that's just going into it, just our viewing experience and listening experience and bit yeah. of the music. But here's the thing. I don't watch trailers for movies that I know I'm going to watch. Yes. If I'm going to watch a movie, like if I know already that I'm going to watch a movie, I don't watch the trailers for it. And Dune is one that I'm like, look, I know that I'm going to watch this movie because it's Denis Villeneuve and I really enjoyed his movie Arrival and I really enjoyed his movie Blade Runner, the second Blade Runner, the Blade Runner 2048. Okay, these are all uh, his works. Yeah, that's that's what he's done. And he's he's directed some other movies as well, but I I haven't seen those. Mostly I've seen his like science fiction stuff. Yeah. And I was like, well, I trust him. He, He made a very good sequel 
sequel to Blade Runner. What yeah. I liked about Blade Runner 2048 is, or 2046 is that it wasn't a reimagining or retelling of it. It was just a sequel. Yeah. I mean, it had the characters returning in the original roles, some of but them. But it was a new story. In, uh, with a new story, with the new people, but in the same world. And that mm. was ma- what made me so impressed was like, ah, he wasn't trying to reboot Blade Runner. It mm. wasn't a retelling. It wasn't all the mistakes that other people have made with... Um, you know, with these like other sequels uh, and prequels. Well, yeah, sequels like the Aliens, and suddenly Prometheus comes out, and you're like, that, do, like that's a garbage movie, which doesn't make sense. It only makes sense if you've seen the previous movie and have an affection for the previous movie. Mm. And lots of sequels do that, but they lean too much into that. Like the like the first two of the new Star Trek movies, a tw- two from 2009, and you know, Star Trek um, Into Darkness. Yeah, they were so heavily handed. Like, you can only enjoy them if you get all the references from the first one. And yes. again. With the with the new trilogy, like this latest trilogy of Star Wars, it's it's they're so dependent on just retreading the same ground that they don't even feel like sequels anymore. They just feel like let's do this again. Yeah, what what always feels to me like what happens a lot is uh, it's a, like a little bit of a like a bad mouse trap it's the the fan service kind of thing yeah where you think like oh we have this big fan base and we need to uh feed them what they want yeah and it's a trap what i want is someone just to come and make a very good movie yes and i think arrival was a very good movie and i think uh blade runner 2048 was a very good movie yes you know neither of them perfect i actually would want different creative decisions made in those and so i was going to watch dune so when you say you didn't know that uh, that the the who wrote the score yeah i only knew of there was a few actors who i knew were in it Yes. And who they were. I knew that Timothy Chalamet, uh, Chalamet, Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. I don't, I've, Chalamet. I don't know where he's from. Never seen him before. Um, but uh, I knew he was Paul. Yeah. And I knew Zandaya was um, was uh, what's what's the name of the character again? I just had it all right here. Kiroki. Shani, Shani, Zani, Shandaya. And I didn't know who anybody else was, but I'd seen some people's pictures yeah, in yeah. the in the thing. So, like, I saw um, so uh, Oscar Isaac was in there, and I was like, oh, Oscar Isaac, mm. he would make a really good uh, Duncan Idaho. But I didn't even know that mm. Jason Momoa was in this movie. He fits. So he fits. He fits perfectly, and mm. all these guys as well who I know, and I know who's going to make it through, mm. and I know like Josh Brolin as Gurney Halleck. I thought was great he has such a small part in mm. this uh, in this first movie yeah. in this first half of this story um but yeah he he plays that he i i that he was one of my favorites for the very little time that he was on screen who was I, that the the um the other guy the, the you know they had the two fighters they had duncan idaho yeah and then um josh brolin is gurney, gurney halleck who's who's like you know comes in right at the very start and paul is like uh, I knew it was you from your oh, right. footsteps. Yes. You know? Yeah, this guy. Okay. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. He's yeah. in this in this thing. He's got more to do in the second half of this, but in this in this section, mm. he's just this character, this side character. Yeah. But someone like that, if you can get Josh Brolin to come in as sort of like a character actor in a in a big movie like this, it it makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, all the way down through here, Rebecca Ferguson and Timothy Chalamet. Uh, being the two leads, mm. you know, the two main characters, yeah. um, I thought did you know did a really good job, and yes. I didn't even I didn't even know Rebecca Ferguson was in here in in this movie. I okay. don't really know her. No, I don't from, know. What, what did she do? It, well, she's um, the sort of like the main second 
character now in the Mission Impossible movies. You know, she's oh, okay. like yeah. the the Tom Cruise love interest. So that's mm. kind of where I know her from, and a few other places. But you know, as a movie star, that's where yeah. I know her from. Um, but no, I think this is a, it was a really great cast. Uh, the the only one I wasn't quite sure about was Javier Bardem as Stilgar. He was playing it a little bit too much. Um, Javier Bardem mm. um, and I wanted a little bit more intensity from him in a way but also he's he's great he's a great like elder statesman already in, like hey I'm representing yeah. these guys and I'm gonna spit on the floor in front of the, the <laughs> yeah. duke and I'm like okay he did that part but then yeah. in the in the desert I, I I didn't really find him convincing as the person who would who was keeping this entire band of like bloodthirsty um Fremen together but who knows yeah well I think mostly uh it's really weird to say but uh, his beard did a lot of act- acting Yes. Yeah, no, him, that's the thing, him hiding behind the beard and the goggles and the cap, like, that you couldn't see very much of him, but he still had the, he had the body temperament that could bring it over. No, he did a good job, but again, that's one of those things where I'd be like, oh, if I would have done that, I would have wanted someone a bit more, I don't know, a bit less, like... Um, I don't know. I'm not even sure what I'm wanting, what, what difference. Mm. It just felt like that casting felt a little bit stunt casting kind of thing. But okay. I was, I'm not sure why I think yeah. that. It just felt that was the only casting thing that was off. So, um, so yeah, cast was really good. And I didn't know who was who going into it. I didn't know that Dave Bautista, um, the uh, who was the other Harkonnen, what's his name? Beast Raban Harkonnen was Dave Bautista. The... the, the, the... The nephew. Yeah, the nephew. The from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know this him is... as, as that guy from... <laughs> yeah. And he, I was just like, oh, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Totally that does. he's the guy. Yeah. Like, he, he's that guy. Yeah. He's the, the, the guy who they says, all right, squeeze every last drop of spice from here yeah. and kill all the Fremen. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, yeah. This why is the... isn't this guy a, a bad guy in more movies? Because just yeah. look at him. Like, he yeah. can play. He was it's playing great. that really great. Um, I think this is the, the only thing... Um, like we're now talking about the Harkonnens so this is why I think it fits Um, I sometimes have the feeling that if in movies um, they wanting to show uh, aliens or foreign looking humans or different kind of appearances what happens a lot um, and that reminds me of the Guardians of the Galaxy movie and also other movies I can't now think of or like yeah Prometheus maybe Mm. that what they do is they just strip humans of facial hair and make them have this pale looking yeah and that becomes a bit too repetitive now yeah but here's the thing that stuff is like literally in the book I know know. so let's talk about how it compares to the book okay um and maybe how it also compares to the previous movie. We actually did an episode. Check this out. Look, I opened this up. Oh, no, that one. Here we go. Um, Frank Herbert June, epi- SFBRP episode 174. We Ooh. recorded this back in, let me have a look down here, 2012. We did an episode and it oh, says, wow. Luke, Luke, Juliana joins Luke again to discuss discuss Frank Herbert's June. This is a spoiler full chat about the novel, the German abridged translation, the audiobook, the movie and the board game. Mm. For a more traditional non-spoiler episode of June, check out SFBRP number 11. Uh, which was like you know i only talked about it for like 20 minutes but back then you know in episode 11 20 minutes was a long podcast yes um so yeah in case anyone knows this is i don't i'm not interested in spoilers now like you've either seen the movie you haven't seen the movie you know what to expect from the movie not what to expect from the movie yeah but i want to talk a little bit more about like um 
Oh yeah, I just said we'll compare it to the book. Before yes. we get to the book, okay. just want to talk a little bit more, like comparing it to the book, a bit more about the movie making in this. Yeah. I really enjoyed the the, the pacing of this. Mm. I thought they picked out a good, it never felt like it was a slog. It was a long movie, but by the end you realise, oh, this is like the, the action sequence that leads up to that duel yeah. in the in the desert. Yeah. And it is just one thing after another. And you know, they, they get through the politics quickly. They lay it all out really quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, Karen. And and I think what they re- like, this felt very much like an introduction into all the things, all the politics. We we uh, we got hints of yeah. all the things. Yeah. And I thought like I was a bit overwhelmed by how quick everything happened. Yeah, they they went through stuff, but again, they did a lot of it with the visual storytelling. But, yes. You know, overall, I thought uh, it the the cinematography was fantastic. Yeah. The only thing that I didn't like was some of the. Um, for such a movie, for a movie which is so spectacular in mm. terms of, uh, in terms of like the, what you want it to look like. Yeah. Sometimes the weakest shots were the some of the CGI shots. Some of the sequences I thought worked really well. Like this, the when they when they're picking up the um, sand mining operation and yeah. it, it fails, and then they go down and land. Yeah. I thought that section was fantastic in terms of CGI. I yes. thought it worked really well. Yeah. But other times when they showed the sandworms a few times, it just felt like somebody had been like, oh, and just put some yeah. sand spray filter yeah. over the top and. It really annoyed me that one of the final shots in the movie was giving away that the Fremen ride on the back of June and the shot that they showed was this suddenly this weird zoomed in, like super telephoto zoom, zoom, zoom mm. all the way in. Mm. And it looked garbage. And there was a few <laughs> shots and one, one of one or two of the shots with the ornithopter flying around yeah. when when um, Duncan Idaho escapes and then suddenly this big like... And I've complained about this before. I, I always hate it when a movie suddenly goes, and now we're going to have the fighter pilot section mm. and everyone's really good at flying and he can mm. do a fight. And of course, these are some of the legendary warriors mm. who, you know, who are the they best are trained. trained. At this. They're, they're, you know, these are the highest level. So yes, of course, everyone can fly these. But suddenly he's like flying around and dodging lasers and then looping around this big thing and then out. And it just didn't feel real enough to me at that yeah. point that we suddenly go, and now a bit where we fly around and i was like that's it was actually these some of these cgi shots which felt to me the weakest parts even though that's way i was on my edge of my seat with the action even knowing who's going to die when and what what or yes. mostly who's going to die when because they did change around a few little bits in this but yeah. uh um yeah i thought i thought a bit um the explosions when you know when the uh, the Harkonnens came in yeah, invaded and, and no it wasn't actually not the Harkonnens was it yeah. it was the Sky the Sardaukar, Sardaukar, Sardaukar. yeah, yeah. Um, well it was both it was yeah, well, eleven Blatani- b- uh, battalions of Harkonnen and two battalions of the Sardaukar. Yes. Um but when they came in and they started shooting up some stuff that, yeah. that sometimes didn't quite... I loved the shooting of the okay. Talking about the movie making and the special effects, I loved the personal shields effect that they oh, had. That was great. Was so clever because if you yeah. saw it go flash blue, it meant that the, it, the knife didn't get through. And if you saw it flash red, it meant that it did get through. So they didn't have to show lots and lots of blood or yeah. lots of people dying. All they had to show was a red flash to show, yeah. oh, something got through that. And they introduced that yeah. in a friendly fight yes. between Paul and yeah. his and compared to guy. Compared to the, the, um, the David Lynch movie from, you know, whenever it was, the 80s or 
something yeah. like that. That's terrible because you can't see what's going on. Yes. And this revealed more about what's going on. Yeah. It was like a pointer to say, oh, that didn't get through. That didn't get through. That didn't get through. That did get through. Yeah. That didn't get through. And then they reused that with the shields around the spaceships and those mm. big like bombs coming down and like pushing through the shields at mm. slow, like as slowly as possible, pushing through the shields. And then the explosion also being stopped by the shield mm. on the way out of the spaceship. That's the kind of CGI that I love because it's like okay. it's it's past the uncanny valley because it yeah. doesn't look at all real. But I like that it doesn't look at all real because we're because talking of about yeah, it's like. Yeah. As, if a spaceship blows up and it's got a shield, does it stop the stuff flying out as mm. well as the stuff flying in? And oh. it turns out, yes, it does. So you get these really nicely shaped explosions which follow the same shape. So as it's the... a bit more like underwater explosions yeah, because yeah. it's contained within a different medium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. some of that yeah. stuff, that some of that stuff works then, really that well. That makes more sense. Yeah. But then, like I say, some the reveal of the of the 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 sandworm when it actually does stick its head out of it. Yeah, that whole thing looks so fake to me, and it felt too like staged in a way yeah like when they did the reverse angles like the rocks that they were standing on mm. were, were kind of like steep and blocking and then they would go to the reverse angle and the rocks were like off to the side and then there was like this perfect stage for the sandworm to stick out on some of those i was like oh look it's good like it it does the work but oh it, it felt a bit it felt a bit it just some of the some of the shots felt weak but again yeah. for most of it for like a movie which was almost three hours long it was o there was only like 20 shots in a three-hour movie where i was like eh, that looked didn't look they didn't look quite as convincing as i as i wanted it yeah. to so uh i thought um, it was um what? pretty um it took took me in oh yeah 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 i mean i was going along with this movie yeah. i was very impressed by this movie yeah let's talk a bit now let's get to the the difference or some of the things that we like about that are in the book and then came into here yeah. into the thing one thing that i thought was a very interesting decision was in the book mm -hmm. paul starts getting visions like halfway through the book yes i think he he drinks some spice and then he starts having visions and he's like mm, maybe i shouldn't become emperor and you know, start a thing or that, like the, the, the jihad that's going to go all the way across the, the known worlds yeah. and disrupt. And what I really liked about this is that they made all of those visions come right at the start. Yes. Like, like the movie opens with him going, something's wrong with me. What's, it's weird. Why is this happening now? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mm -hmm. make full sense because he hasn't, like in the book, that, that comes after it's been revealed to him, you know, after he puts his hand inside the inside the, the pain box, box yeah. and the gomjabor is put on his on his neck and things, and so that feels like more of an initiation into you know something special about me, what's going on. Mm. Whereas in the movie, it even happens before then. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it the whole what's ha what's going to happen at the end of this movie. Let's make let's make that let's have some visions about what's going to happen at the end of this movie. In other words, he's going to have a fight mm. and he's going to meet Shani. Yeah. And I really liked that decision that they made because it made this movie make sense in this movie. Yeah. The fight at the end wasn't just like, oh, is is Paul going to live or die? And is he going to be accepted by the Fremen or not? Which is like the point in the book. Like, you know, is him and his mother going to die? No, yeah. yes, no. Whereas now that fight was much, there was just much more weight on it. Yes. Um, which I appreciate from an adapting a book which yeah, is one wonderful on story book, into yeah. not the, we are making yeah. the book as a movie. Yeah, it kind of it kind of brought across the same kind of thing that the book was trying to bring across, yeah. but in a different way than the book. It, yes. it makes sense because this movie now is it might as well not be called Dune. It might as well be called Paul because this it yeah. was it everything was so subsumed into 
Paul as a character and Paul's journey that and also introducing why and how he gets there where yes. he is supposed to be. Yeah, and in the book that's kind of revealed throughout, you、mm. know, like by the end of the book you understand, oh, he's like this because of that and this because of that and all these different things come together.、Mm. But now they have to do it just in the first half of the story. Yeah. So this feels felt very much more like we are establishing Paul as this messiah character. And also he knows up front way more. Yes. Like cuz in the in the book it's sort of like Held from him, and he doesn't know the import of it. Yeah, like oh, the the Bene Gesserit have been planting religion stuff here for years. Yeah, but that's that's only revealed to him once he's among there, and you know, and um, and his mother says something. Yeah, you know, and he's like, oh, what? Where's that? Like, and it comes it comes as a, a surprise to him. Like, yeah, it's,、uh, um, when Jessica does that, and also when the people see him. It's all in in the book. It's all internal monologue.、Mm. They they think, ah,、oh, surely this guy is this. Guy. Oh, he's a special one、mm. here. Like that's a special one. And in the in the David Lynch movie, they just do some voiceovers, and it's really confusing. It's like surely he is the Quadras Hadarak, and、mm. it doesn't. Do, but here they just like say it out loud to his face, almost. Oh, he'll know the way, and they put it in subtitles in their own languages. Yeah. But it's so upfront. He's like, oh, okay, so I'm the chosen Messiah. He like even confronts his mother right. Right at the start,、mm. yeah. and、uh, when when the lady superior leaves and his mother, and sort of like, what do you mean I'm the one? And、mm. it felt like, oh, in the book that feels like that's like way, way, way later. Yeah. And here they're really front loading his knowledge about how special he might be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. At the same time, what I really like about this movie is how they、um, put his mother and his father、mm-hmm. on an equal, important power level. To him, like、yeah. he has powers from the Atreides, yeah, and the the influence and the big,、uh, you know, the big empire spanning. Like he is、yeah. one of those kind of politics involved.、Yeah. And、yeah. on the other hand, his mother,、mm. uh, who willingly gave him yeah. this. Yeah, I don't remember that the the, the conversation that Leto、oh, has、sorry. with Jessica to say like. Are you gonna? What will you do to protect? Like, are you gonna protect my tongue? She said,、like, "I'll give my life." It's like, no, not you. The Benny Jesuit. Yes. Are, is the Benny Jesuit going、yeah. to protect her? And she doesn't say yes, and she doesn't、this、say no. no. And you're like,、yeah. oh right. Yeah. In this, she is like, like she plays it, her own role. Yeah. Late Leto knows that they're at the same level. Like he's a duke,、yeah. but she's Benny Jesuit,、yes. and she's got the weight of the Benny Jesuit behind, and that's like, m- like more powerful than yes. him. Yes. Almost. And. And and I was a bit confused at this one, what at this one、um, one scene when、um, when they laid there and he said, "I wished I would have married you or something."、Mm-hmm. Yeah,、uh, because、oh, yeah, she was always the concubine. Yeah, I was... know, I know, but I didn't remember that. Like、yeah. you, you literally just said we read this book、uh, and talked about it in 2012. Yeah, but、That's、I've read it many、issue. times. I know, as well. but I haven't. So、okay. I was like,、hmm, oh, and then yes, it made then more sense later on、um, when uh, the uh, the Harkonnen and talked about oh the and the concubine. Yeah, I got and, her, yeah. The, the son and the concubine.、Uh, yes. Yeah,、um, which is then separating. It's not. It's not. A, it's not a perfect triangle,、mm-hmm. right? It, the triangle is not completely connected. So you have Leto. Yeah, and you have Paul, yeah, you have Jessica, yeah, but there's one connection that is that is missing because、yeah. you know they they were just 
a couple. Yeah, there were a couple of concubines. Well, that's what the Bene Gesserit do. They would they would put their they would put their concubines with the dukes. Yeah. And then you would you know get one of them pregnant, and mm. then that would they say bear a, a daughter. A daughter, and, and that, then you could put that daughter with pa- another one. And yeah. That's Jessica's father is Baron Harkonnen, and that's yes. what Paul is. Paul yeah. is the first combination of the Harkonnens exactly. and the Atreides, and that so. makes it even more special. Yeah, but we don't. The movie hasn't revealed that yet, no. but yeah. it will be the you know. Luke, I am your grandfather kind of thing that's going <laughs> yeah, to come up there yeah, later yeah, on. Yeah. Um, another thing which I found interesting mm. was we never saw any of the navigators. We never saw any effects of the spice except the uh, except the the blue, the eyes, blue eyes of Fremen. Yeah. The Mentats mm. um, were you saw the Mentats there a bit. You know they okay. they were the ones who flicked their eyes and their eyes went white. Oh yeah, and then they would like how long is it going to be? And he just calculated uh, nine hours and something yeah. something like that. Yeah, um, which was fine, but that was really um, like brushed over. It wasn't even mentioned. Like it was just uh, yeah. the person that could do yeah. this. Yeah, this is the person who does the um, you know who does the organizing mm. and. Calculating and stuff. Now, in the book, there's the scene where um, uh, uh, Leto says to Paul, "Okay, so um, you've actually, you know, you're going to be a mentat. You've got mentat abilities." And he says, no, I can't be a mentat because a mentat has to be trained from like birth or trained mm. from really young. But then, of course, the mentat doesn't, you know, you can't tell the mentat they're being trained as a mentat because then their knowledge that being trained as a mentat gets in the way of their training. And he's like, oh, 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 uh-huh. oh. Uh-huh. So all this time I've also been trained as a mentat. So that's mm. the whole thing with him. He's been trained as a fighter. He's been trained in politics. Mm. He's been trained with the voice. He's been trained as a, as a, a thinking machine, mm-hmm. you know, a human computing machine as a mentat. And all those things come together. And in the movie, they're like, actually, that's going to be too much for him. Too confusing, too much. For him also to be a mentat. So later on, when he has his dreams, when he's doing all the calculation in the the book, later on, he goes into his, you know, into his trances for weeks and end. And he's running through all the permutations about what can happen in the future. Mm. Um, The the mentat side of it, that's the mentat side of him joining together with the spice overloaded... um, uh, navigator yeah. skills that he's got of being overloaded yes. and being able to, you know, they say, oh, we can find a safe path through, through the, the, and yeah. that's what he's doing. He's mm. he's calculating Mentat, a safe path navigator through time, quite a had ha- you know, that yeah. comes together. And here, I totally understand it as a as a as a movie making choice. They're like, yeah. let's not also put in the thing. Like we've already we've already put in the scene that he's like one of the best fighters ever. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, and uh, they also did that scene right at the end where, you know, in the duel, they say, is he toying with him? And he says, he's never killed anyone yeah. before. Yeah. Whereas in the in the, in the the book, it's like they think he's toying with him because he's never dueled anyone without a shield. So every time he got close, he would always slow his blade down. This is in the book. He would yeah. slow his blade down to push through the shield. And that's how he's always trained to fight. Yes. And now this is the first time he's, tr- he's fought someone without a he's shield. shield. Yeah. So all the time he got the knife close, he was always slowing down yeah. the knife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's then- always slowing down his and hand. then of course the enemy can yeah, react was, to enemy that. got yeah. away yeah. and so they're like he's toying with him it's like no he he's his style of fighting means he always comes in really slow whereas here they were like let's you know let's let's make it a, a poll decision rather than like a, oh he's not trained so yeah. well in fighting i thought that was really really good this like he has never killed a man before and then his yeah. the voices in his head yeah like talking about the 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 beforehand yeah he he paul needs to die and this whole yeah. like oh you can't you can't do this yeah the, the dying is important you have to die and yeah. all this kind of that was um oh yeah again what i really liked about the movie is denny villeneuve knows about the tricks of editing of just layering on top yeah. 
images and visions mm. and this is in the future now this is in the past mm-hmm. now where are we here mm. let's put it together movie making like movies can just do so much in that you can just show a shot and then just cut to something else and then cut back again and it does it doesn't have to make sense like it, it logically it yeah. just needs to bring across the the feeling or the vibe or some you know whatever it's going to be yeah the atmosphere yeah the atmosphere uh. and movie making can just do that f- almost for free Yes, and right at the very end, that one of the last shots of the movie is that he's he's walking along, mm. and Zendaya Ashani walks in front of him, and there's some kind of sun or whatever, mm-hmm. and it cuts from a shot of her to a shot of her in a vision, yes. back to a shot that shot of yes. her again, yeah. and you're like, I was thinking at the time, I was like, that that's bad movie making. That's almost like like jump cutting between, like it's too co- close of an angle, but it, it shows all the time that they've been cutting to this shot, yeah. and they're like, oh. We've caught up. Yeah. Pretty oh, we're pretty much catching up now. Yes. Like it, it it might not be this angle and this mm-hmm. sunrise mm-hmm. of her in mm-hmm. this exact moment, mm-hmm. but it's close enough. You've made it to the end yes. of Dune the movie part 1. And also, I think what it really important is is that it shows that Paul has chosen one of the paths, one of the future yeah. paths he has already seen. Yeah. And they might not perfectly overlap. Yeah. Because everything always diverts slightly yeah. um but it it does show that he is on a path yeah and uh yeah. I, the, the apart from them looking to to the sandworm at that yeah. point what i really like this this and this is what i really had from the the book in my head yeah. this kind of like they are walking on the dune together yeah. with these people well actually they're walking along the a uh, uh, shoulder of rock at that point but yeah sure like in the desert you mean, yeah yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah. I thought that was a very strong, strong image. Yeah. Um, I want to say something about that generally um, confuses me a little bit, um, but that also did in the book um, is the diff- all the different names things and people have, especially yeah. all the different names Paul yeah. is being called. Yeah, Paul. He's the Paul. He's Paul. He's Paul Atreides. Atreides. Yeah. He's also Mordib. Yes. Which is the the name he gives himself, and that's the little mouse. You know the mouse that oh, the he mouse, kept on saying. Yes. I mean, it, again, it's weird because that mouse came up like three times or four times. Yeah, and it and they never said the name of the mouse. I think they they did in this one scene where where uh, him and uh, Shani yeah. were in one of the caves and saw the little mouse. Yeah, but that was right at the very end. But they and did. I think at that moment they did say that that this, it was called the Mordib. Yeah, that maybe it it was uh, keeping itself safe there. Yeah, and- in the book he says that the moon up there mm. um has has got the what's what's the little the symbol in the moon the one that looks the, like a mouse yeah and they're like oh more deep that's the name that we say for our savior ah. um so there was that yeah and there was a few other uh, other of these things like you know eat every one of these like the the what is it the dune uh, the planet Arrakis, you know, yes. they're they're they've always got like you know four different names for yes. that. Yeah, the yeah. worms, the Shalhalud, you know, oh, everything has like the name, the nickname, its own name that it gives itself, and all the names that the different languages all give to to it. Yeah, so, and yeah. the the Ben, no, the, the Benegesserit, and the Hararat. No, what's what's the, his. What, what, what the is... Quidex Hadarach. Yes, that's yeah. that's the name. Yeah, that's the that's the person who is that's, their their super Superman the that ben they're going Gesserit for. That they they're called... trying to create the Quidex Hadarach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So, uh, so yeah, and maybe it's going to be and Paul. 
maybe um and uh, and so this this whole like oh uh, he is this one person he's all those different things in one yeah. person that the different hopes the different um uh fears yeah uh and uh, so i think this movie shows it really nicely yeah and if there's a criticism if i've got a criticism of any of mm. this is that it this is a movie which is doing the you know what in the movie Avatar did sort of like the Great White Hope comes in and then uh, helps the helps the, the, helps the native people fight native, against yeah. the imperial mm. something something yeah. resource extracting something something mm. you know they're doing uh, uh, you know Lawrence of Arabia there as well I mean they filmed they filmed it in the same place mm. as Lawrence of Arabia yeah. so it's it sometimes it felt it like in terms of like the the view of it is still interesting that they're going for oh there's these people who are kind of scottish but they filmed it in norway <laughs> yeah. and the white people come in yeah. it, and it's still but it's like it's one of those self-knowing white savior yeah. kind of like yeah, gonna absolutely. come in and help the natives when they come down to the planet and yeah. they're all like looking really like yeah. aristocracy but weirdly this is kind of a, a the, the in the novel it makes it very clear yeah. that this is a fake thing this is a manipulation mm. like they even said oh it's just like this stuff has all been set up by the Bene Gesserit. and it's like the movie is kind of referencing the fact mm. that yeah. look w this has been set up this is a this is a it's a setup now as the emperor sending like the Harkonnens in to 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 knock out the uh knock out the Atreides and things it's yeah. it's it's it seems to be leaning into like self, like knowing what it's getting into. Yes. Um, a bit more. So that's not so much a criticism. I'm just saying like that it's in the source material that it is a, you know, a white savior coming to rise up with the, with the note. Oh, I, f I remembered now the other worst CGI shot, which is this thing where there's the sword, sword and then there's the the Fremen come out and there's this one guy who does way he's way too acrobatic. His fighting style is acrobatic, acrobatic. He rolls over someone, does a flip, rolls over someone, does a flip, does another flip, does another roll over someone, and it's like the worst fighting choreography I've ever seen. And then his 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 thing comes up, his uh, helmet oh, comes up right. and it's Paul himself. Mm. And then every other time that you see him fighting, mm. it's got this really interesting choreography style yeah. Yeah. of somebody who does this close-up fighting with mm. shields and mm. it's like one stab and wins and the, the fights are short mm. and they're over quick. And that's how that's his style of fighting. Because that was the, that was the shot where they're like, oh, give it to the CGI guys mm. to do. And it, and it felt like some CGI, like... Um, visual effects director was in control of the fighting style there because they did some motion capture and a fa and and then right. it was revealed as Paul and I was like that is not Paul's fighting yes it was it wasn't just shoddy CGI it was bad from a storytelling and character point of view but and what? here now I'm telling you something that you should tell told me about the uh, yeah. with the the shields and how they yeah. explode and why it looked so weird yeah this is Paul seeing himself in the future in the future but also it was bad. Uh, unnecessary ac unnecessarily acrobatic fight choreography yes, but in a way which the rest of the movie all of the other fight choreography in the rest of the movie wasn't what was really really good because it was done with real life actors and that was done seemingly like all cgi like it it felt it felt as bad 
as the fight scene on the train station at the end of Black Panther. You know, in the end of Black Panther, where yes. there's these two oh, rubber characters bouncing yes. around each other. That's what it made me feel. That one shot yes. where the camera came in from above and swirled around a person who was doing overly elaborate acrobatic fighting. Yes. It made me think of Black Panther, the, the fight scene at the end of Black Panther, which is literally the worst ever CGI fight scene I've ever seen. I understand your yep. point here, yep. but I want to really underline that yep. it is Paul Atreides I know. himself. I know. And he is a narcissistic person. Nope. Or he is... Nope. It, it, it does every other vision uh, that he had about him fighting and being stabbed. It wasn't like that. Every okay. vision was a cool cutaway to somebody like okay. something from his point of view and with blood. And it was up close. And the stuff with him and Shani was all really close up. That was the one shot that didn't work as a vision and it didn't work as a fight scene. Okay, I want to interact again here. Yeah. This is one of those visions that this was one of those visions, which is the furthest of every other vision yeah okay you don't and have to so, keep defending it i'm okay. saying it was a bad cgi it was bad fight choreography and it stood out as the worst vision of all of them sure. okay you just keep if you just keep repeating to me it was a vision it was a vision it was a vision that doesn't help the fact that i thought i know it was a vision also it was the worst vision that's all i wanted to say sure. okay if you yeah Okay. No, Good. you uh, don't no... have to defend it. It's not your job to defend a no, shot which I, I thought was terrible in the in a, in the whole movie. That was the single. I just wanted to show say that was the single worst shot in the entire movie because okay. it made me think of the fight scene at the end of Black Panther. Okay, I have one worst shot. Okay, what was the which worst shot? Had nothing to do with CGI. What, what's that? But there was this opening scene when we got to see uh, Paul and his mother for the first time. Yeah. The, the the thing they the hall they sat in yeah the shot they they took yeah was literally the same shot that we know from Star Wars Star Wars mm, which one one yeah three I don't know yeah one of them where um uh thingy and Padme sit together in this yeah and eat yeah 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 yeah. There that, was there was a few there was a there was a few shots which seemed to be a bit too much of a nod to some windows, Star Wars yeah. In this thing, and then the table for yep. fruit and stuff, and that yeah. that when I they were was sitting, sitting too far there, away and I was thinking, should I now look over to you and say, no, no, I what could, does there, this remind you? No, there was a, there was a few things where I was like, oh, I mean, I know the thing is, Star Wars was heavily influenced by Dune. I mean, both yes. on this planet and stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, one other thing before we wrap up, mm. as I said before about because uh, you just made me think of it, Star Wars because when they were doing the Star Wars, all of the the, the recent Star Wars movies, they all end up randomly on a on a planet mm. with uh, with um, sand and rocks and stuff. Yes, and it's all filmed in Wadi Rum. In Everything. Jordan. Yes. Also, The Martian is filmed in Wadi Rum in Jordan. Also, Lawrence of Arabia was filmed in yeah. Wadi Run, Rum in Jordan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although that movie, that is actually a, 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 based on a real life story in Jordan. In Jordan. Yeah, yeah. It was about the, about mm. the establishment of the royal families of mm. Jordan and things. Um, uh, as someone who's been to Wadi Rum twice and <laughs> yeah. driven around it a yeah. lot, yeah. I... I recognize all the places because I've been to those places and yes. driven around there. Yes. I, it, and when you when you actually visit somewhere, you get to know the scale of it and what, like the distances and the mm. different viewing angles. Mm. Like you're there and you drive across the other and you look back again. Mm. 
what annoys me about this movie, or not just this movie, actually it's happened with The Martian and Star Wars and other things like that, is where this is meant to be an entire an entire um, planet. planet. Yeah. And they go from one place to the other. And I'm like, they've literally gone 400 metres down. The, like, I've been to, like, they go in this cave and there's these narrow rocks yes. and they go between. And I was like, I've been through those rocks that they show this wall with all these, like, holes and stuff. I was like, yeah. I've looked at that and that is like 800 metres or like two kilometres. Like, if it was a 10 minute drive from this other place that you would just in yeah. showing this thing and it, this is just me as someone who's visited Wadi Rum twice and literally gone to the place where they filmed the Martian and there you see oh there's Matt Damon sat there and there's the background yeah, yeah. and where they where they did the bit from the Rogue in the movie Rogue One there mm. was that was the plan mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. It, it it it's just a, a little bugbear of me that everything happens now. Anytime there's a desert, it just happens in Wadi Rum. Yeah, because of course it is because it's there's, there's it's, great transport the, connections and there's yeah, nearby it's, airports. And it's and a stuff. great looking place. And it looks fantastic. Yeah. And that's why it's still one of my favorite places to be. And that's why the second time I went back, mm. the the guy who was picking me up from the cruise ship just says, "Oh, I've got this tour going to Wadi Rum this afternoon. Does anyone want to come along?" And I was like, "Me, me, me, me." So mm-hmm. I just give him fifty dollars and have a fantastic day out mm-hmm. again. And the other entertainers on the cruise ship were like, "No, no, no." I was like, no, no, it's really worth it. They're like, ah, oh, no, I'll just go to the restaurant. I'm like, no, it's Wadi Rum. <laughs> and yeah, but other people aren't as adventurous or interested in, yeah, in seeing this stuff from me. So I'm just saying that like seeing a movie like this, it does actually diminish it in a way. It makes it feel way smaller. Yeah. Because Sometimes it feels you like, don't want to know. No, I wish I, in some ways, I wish I could enjoy these movies yeah. more knowing that like, oh yeah, that's that rock there. Yeah. Oh, that's the other side yeah. of that rock. But now we're in a t- completely different part of the, the place. But uh, yeah, but no, I otherwise, I really enjoyed the filming, the locations and the sets as well. I thought the mm. sets were very well done. Yeah. I'm glad that they went completely in a different direction from the, you know, the David Lynch movie mm. where everything looked like it was filmed in Italy in <laughs> 1500 or whatever. Yeah. And now it's like very brutalist. Yes. And another change from the book, which I liked, is that in the book they have this, um, they have this in, inside the um, inside the palace mm. in in the in the city. Mm-hmm. Um if they have this uh, garden inside this this with lo- really loads and loads and loads of loads of water yeah. and in the book it works really well because this is a hidden thing yeah. um i liked in the movie where they're like oh yeah we've got like 20 palm trees yeah and that because they're out in the open and yes. you can actually just see someone pouring water <laughs> yeah. into into their the like, oh that yeah that kind of works i mean it doesn't work better than the book i'm saying that if you just i was when when they actually went in there i'm like mm, that's an interesting place mm. to for that the harkonnens have been in charge of it for 80 years are the harkonnens the kind of people who would have a greenhouse full of really really luscious forests and i was like no, no. but they are the kind of people who would have like 20 palm trees that somebody and comes and labels. just keep them yeah. alive yeah, yeah. Only just keep them yeah, alive as yeah. a symbol of like we're wasting this water on top yeah. of you. Um, there's one thing that stood out to me in yeah. the movie again is the um, the scenes of armies when we have the swoopy shots and we have people uh, inspecting the armies yeah. and then you have lots of people standing like in almost like COVID safety distance yeah, rows of in overhead. these kind of like squares yeah. and then they shout yeah. and say like well you're not into that look it's kind of with the all with the with the other things I already mentioned, it's overdone yeah. already. Like I, we have seen, it felt too. Every shot of a, every wide shot of a ship landing and with lots mm. of people out the front mm. always feels to me 
staged for cinema and staged for ceremony rather than staged for battle. And that kind of annoyed me that when the battle happened, it was sort of like, oh, just people running at each other and slashing around with swords. Mm -hmm. And that is a bit disappointing because I I would have preferred that the, the the, the battles themselves would be a little bit more cinematic in terms of action yeah rather than here's a corridor some people at this side of the corridor and people at this side of the corridor yeah. they fight and then they die although i do i did like the the scene with the flying the flying soldiers coming from above oh down. yeah yeah that I mean, was like I say cinematic that was, that yes. was great but in in terms of uh, like, like action the, choreography wasn't like the yeah. how do you call the people on foot the uh artil- no not artillery yeah the infantry the infantry yeah it's like always these um infinite masses of mm, yeah faceless yeah shouting yes harkonnens yeah but all the harkonnens had face masks all the sadok had face masks all the atreides didn't because we wanted to see their humanity as they were killed yes it i it sometimes it feels to me a little bit too obvious what's going on but all of our little all my little nitpicks aside i really enjoy this movie totally worth spending 20 dollars or 20 euros on to watch it at home juliana could eat popcorn and i could pause it to go to the toilet at at 45 minutes in or whatever we said the other day and actually the first one i thought right this is now the pausing time to do it and it was exactly 48 minutes yes um so let's wrap it up there we yeah. don't give ratings to movies nope. that we watch because it's not a book. Looking forward to in two years' time. Yeah, two years' time, the next movie comes out. <laughs> Let me have a quick look here just at the uh, at the cast list to see if there's anything else I want to say. Yeah, Jason Momoa's Duncan Idaho was really great. And then Paul Atreides and Jessica Atreides, I thought, were both very, very good. Again, I don't know Timothy Chalamet from anything. And I was like, wow, this guy's got charisma. Yeah. I'm a fan. Um Stellan Skarsgård as the Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. Um, <laughs> I, I thought he was great. I thought the the, the CGI, CGI join between his yeah. jawline and the rest of his body, yeah. mm, I would have worked on mm-hmm. that a bit. I would have preferred that to be a like a, a, a full, um, a full a, uh, like practical effect rather than a, uh, uh, a CGI effect. Mm-hmm. Because transitions between real skin and fake skin and then into the rest of the costume, not so good. Although I did like the, him him being able to fly around. It felt yeah. like that was that was well done. I yes. liked how he could how, how he could become really big fat. How he could lift fat. his, his yeah. body fat. <laughs> and then become really graceful in the air was yeah. great. Uh, and one other thing that I was going to have a look at. Oh, what was that? Oh, yeah, I was looking up the, uh, the locations and stuff. Oh, uh, the other location, Apple um, screensavers. If you've, if you've got an Apple TV and the screensaver comes on. Yeah. And it flies across from June's Liwa in the United Arab Emirates. And where was this filmed? This was filmed in um, Abu Dhabi. Uh, yeah, Wadi Rum in Jordan, uh, Stand Stadlandet in Norway. And movie was also also filmed in Liwa Oasis in the United Arab Emirates. Oh, okay. So if you know the dunes from the um, right. uh, the, uh, from the Apple TV screensaver, screensaver yeah. which you do know. That's it was very those dunes were pretty heavily very recognizable. yeah very very recognizable um yes yes that's it dunes cool um any anything else you want to say I was just looking through yeah. this notes. no I'm just saying uh next movie 2023 yeah um also we'll rewatch I, this before we see that one probably yes. also I saw that Brian Herbert yeah was um uh, executive producer yeah so uh, yeah having i mean and he he also wrote some follow-up books to all do, of them all garbage of them. yeah but i mean 
He is family. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that, but I have literally no opinion one way or the other. Because Denny Villeneuve, like the movie mm. maker, mm. I trust him as a movie maker yeah. more than I trust anybody who has, else has any opinions on Dune and what should be in the book or not. Yeah. The differences between the movie, uh, the, 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 the changes that the movie made to mm. make it into a better movie... Um, again, I don't agree with all of the like. I would maybe have done it a different way, but co- making it about Paul's mm. journey mm. to deciding to become the Quasar's Hadarak or the you know the person who's going to fulfill his visions in the future, and making that this movie, yeah. And then the second movie about like maybe fulfilling that, maybe a bit of love story between yeah. him, because in this one I thought, oh, we're going to get a love story. No, there is no love story here. It's sort of like uh, there's in his someone. Vision. <laughs> oh yeah, and at the at the start of the David Lynch movie, it's Princess. Urulan, the the daughter of the um the emperor yeah. who narrates it at the start because oh, yeah. the book itself you know like the epigraphs yeah. epigrams epi epigraphs epigraphs there were like things from her book yeah. te- telling the story yes. of the person that she married as the next you know who's the next emperor whereas in this they're like okay that's the wrong woman to do a voiceover at the start of the movie. Mm. Let's get Shani to, to, to voice over Zandaya to do the voiceover at the start. I'm, I, it seems to clear that she's the person who's doing the voiceover there at yeah. the start, which gives her a little anchor at the start of the movie yes. that when she's also the face at the end of the movie, you're like, ah, oh, right, yeah, this is her story. So maybe yeah. I'm thinking the second book hopefully is going to be less about Paul. The second movie. Yeah, sorry, the second movie is going to be less about Paul because Paul's had his journey yes. to, to be into the... To to become a Fremen and to be start leading the Fremen, yeah. although not quite leading it, but obviously but, the leader of the yeah. Fremen in the future. And the next one, I hope it's more about Jessica. Mm-hmm. Isla, who's the, the new daughter, Jess- Jessica's new daughter, mm-hmm. Shani, and then, yeah, Princess Uralan and the Bene Gesserit, who may have more to do at the end. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And also, at the end, um, there was this uh, look that Jessica on her, had on her face. I thought that was very telling what a shiny push past them at the end yes yeah like you could see that she had she has an agenda mm. like she she has her own politics yep and i thought that was really good acting at that point yes there's layers there's layers, there's layers there yeah but i do like it quite it, like in the book i think it's only right at the very end where paul goes right your daughter to, to, to the emperor your daughter right i'm marrying her was here he, he's sort of like hmm the prince the, the the emperor doesn't have a son only has a daughter and they're like well you're just a guy in the desert like you don't have anything he's mm-hmm. like mm, mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i like that that he's already got the plans set yeah. out ahead of yeah. ahead of him so yeah, let's see. Let's see what the second movie is like. And and again, I'm hoping for it to up. be a little bit less Paul centric and a bit more Dune centric. Yes. And Fremen centric. Yeah. Let's see. All right. All right. I said we'd put a, a hard time limit on this, but uh, didn't quite work. I, you should have. You should have said, "Hey, let's finish up at thirty minutes." All right. Thanks All right. a lot for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Goodbye.